0: In today's interview, we interviewed my friend Riley Cosgrove. Riley converted from her non-denominational Protestant tradition to Catholicism five years ago. In this episode, we talk about the messy parts of conversion, the difficulties and doubts
1: that come along with it, and also the good and beautiful parts as well. We hope you enjoy
0: guys. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It. I'm Jackie. And I'm Megan. And today I have my friend Riley on the podcast. Hi. So Riley and I met through some mutual friends here in Chicago and then Riley and I followed each other on Catholic Twitter, which is a super interesting place. CatholicTwitter.com,
2: not to be associated with Twitter.com.
0: Yes. So we would, you know, just like go back and forth on Twitter sometimes, and then we're like, we should hang out. And so then we became friends, which was great. And I heard a little bit about Riley's conversion story. And here on the podcast, you know that we like to talk about our theological differences because I'm Catholic and Megan is Protestant. Shock. Um, And Riley (laughs) converted from Protestantism? I don't even know how to say that. (laughs) To Catholicism. So, we today we're going to hear a little bit about her story and just the difficult parts of converting because it's not just a magical sunny what do you mean transition. Yeah. <laughs> so, Riley, first, can you tell us a little about yourself and what you do, where you live, your social security number,
2: <laughs> date of birth, mother's maiden name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all your computer passwords. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Got it. So, I'm Riley. I am Jackie's friend. I'm putting that in quotations. Um. Oh, <laughs> and, the truth comes out. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm Team Megan. Um, I'm Riley. I am an occupational therapy student in my last semester. Um, and yeah, I live in Chicago. And I am currently studying um, religious participation as an occupation. So I'm studying um, people with disabilities and their relationship to their churches. Um, So that's me and what I do. And uh, yeah, I'm Jackie's friend and I converted to Catholicism. Fun facts about me. What denomination were you? Uh, I was raised non-denominational. Okay. Yeah. Yeah interesting
1: yeah so I feel like a lot of people have kind of like an idea of conversions right that it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a like a this big shiny event where you're like oh my goodness I am yeah (laughs) Saint Paul on the road to Damascus Jesus comes in a vision and he just his Mm -hmm. life is no longer the same it's forever changed I wish
2: my conversion had to do with a horse (laughs) (laughs) like Saint Paul
1: (laughs) but as you know that's typically not the case. So would you just mind sharing, obviously, whatever you're comfortable with, just a little bit about your
2: conversion, how that was for you, um, when it happened, why, all those details. Yeah, so I was raised in a non denominational church, like I said. Um, My dad is actually Um, Irish Catholic, but his family did not really practice much. And then my mom was raised in a non-denominational church. Um, she is, uh, still in that church. Um, and I was 19 when I finally went through with my conversion to Catholicism. Um, I'm 25 now for reference. Um, but I always grew up around Catholics because like I said, my dad, um, is Irish and I was an Irish dancer and so I always knew a lot of Catholics. My uh, area that I grew up in in Northwest Indiana is pretty Catholic um, with a lot of like Polish and Mexican and Irish people. Um, So really culturally Catholic um, but I always thought the Catholic church was crazy. I was like I can't believe they listen to all these crazy rules. Like in my non-denominational church, we are very against like a big hierarchy like that. It was all about the personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, which I I definitely had a personal relationship with Jesus as a non-denominational Christian. I won't deny that. But I was never baptized um, because I just didn't feel like I was ready for it yet. Um, And my mom is a big believer in believer's baptism. Um, So yeah, I was like, when I started taking my faith a little bit more seriously, I was like, oh, I have to be baptized. What type of church do I want to be baptized in? Um, and I, th- I started thinking about different denominations. And yeah, my best friends were Catholic. And things just started clicking for me. And then I went to a Catholic university for undergrad and decided to become Catholic. So went through the RCIA process my freshman year of college and was baptized, received Eucharist, and was confirmed in the Catholic Church all at once in 2015.
0: So you mentioned RCIA. How was that process for you? So you were in college. You were at Loyola University, which is a Catholic university here in Mm -hmm. Chicago. How was that process for you? Because I feel like each person's um, process is a little bit different.
2: Yeah, so it was nice doing it at the university because usually RCIA can take, which is, I don't know if we've said it, it's the rite of Christian initiation of adults. Um, It was reinstated with Vatican II in the Catholic Church, Um, but yeah, so it was through Loyola and... It was nice because RCA can take up to a year, and so they fit it really well into my academic year. I also started taking theology classes at Loyola that were required for my degree. Everyone at Loyola has to take theology classes. Um, so it was nice to be academically studying it and then spending time at night, um, like growing in my relationship with the church. And what I really like about RCIA is like it starts out and you are just questioning. You can just come to the meetings and just... Basically, if you want, you can fight with your catechist and say no, no, no about everything. Um, and most of them are good at that, uh, a- answering your questions and being super nice about it. Um, as you go through RCIA, you go through different rites that get you closer to um, be able to receive your sacraments of initiation. Um And yeah, I was a teenager and it was kind of crazy because everyone thinks you like going to college, you get crazy in college. (laughs) Um, and that was the exact opposite thing that I was doing. So it definitely was hard because I was spending a lot of my time surrounded by different churches. Um, I had to eventually decide to tell my family, which was a big point of contention. Like I said, my dad no longer practices the Catholic faith. So it was hard. And then my mom is involved with her faith and I was leaving the church that she raised me in, um, that she was intentional to raise me in. Um, So that was really hard and scary. And then also trying to make friends in college when you're like the church girl, it can be hard, I think. Um, And so, yeah, but I got all my questions answered. And even when I wasn't completely sure, I just felt this draw to the Eucharist, actually, that I was like, I cannot... I don't know, I like, this is it for me, you know. I I knew that Christ was present in, present in the Eucharist, and I knew that even if I had more theological questions, which I always will, there's 2,000 years of church history, I can't know it all, um, I can still be part of this church um, and continue in my growth after I am, you know, confirmed, so. How, how was that experience,
1: like, talking to your parents about it, you know, because <laughs> I'm sure... People, yeah, have totally different experiences kind of depending on the background of their parents and even
2: just the relationship with their parents. So how was that Mm -hmm. for you? My mom and I are pretty close and I definitely was really worried about it because I didn't want to feel like I was letting her down, you know. Um, And like, it's not like I'm not a Christian anymore. Obviously, I, you know, feel like my... Christianity has just grown by being Catholic. Shocker out there to some people. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I grew up with like, you know, understanding the anti-Catholic bias that exists um, in different Protestant spaces. Not all Protestants are the same, obviously, but um, I was so worried because I never really talked to my mom in depth about Catholic beliefs and I wasn't sure how she was going to take it um it was definitely something that was just terrifying I remember sitting next to her in the car I decided to do it in the car which um being a psych major now I know that like lots of kids and people tend to talk about like things that are really hard in the car because you don't have to look at the person (laughs) um and so I definitely did it in the car because I did not want to look at her and I was like hey mom and I introduced it as I think I want to be baptized and she was like that's great Um, and I was like, I think I want to be baptized in the Catholic church. And she was like, Oh, do you have to like become Catholic after you get baptized? Um, and I was like, well, if I go through RCIA, yeah. And so I told her that I wanted to do it. Um, and she was very nice and supportive about it. Um, which was shocking to me. Um, but I think it's something that a lot of converts like don't open up about is like, because it is so personal, like you don't love talking about your relationship with your parents with everyone. You don't love talking about, Um, your religion with everyone and to talk about like a clear divide between you and your parents faith is something that's really hard and really personal um and I'm still constantly privately talking with converts about this literally this week I had a convert talking to me um about relationships with his family and how hard it is um and it's almost like this point of shame I think for a lot of us we want to seem like oh we converted we're so good like you know, now we're Catholic and everything's perfect. Mm. Um, but it's not, it's, it's hard and it's really, really personal. Um, and I, that's something I wish the church was like maybe more supportive about, um, is forming church families with converts, but, um, it's going to be, you know, an ongoing thing for the rest of my life. (laughs) I think you, you mentioned that after
0: you convert, everything is not sunny and perfect. And that's, definitely one of the misconceptions and you also mentioned that you still can struggle with some of the beliefs even after converting. Um, So what do you still struggle with now after converting? Are there any specific beliefs or just aspects of the Catholic Church being an actual member of the Catholic Church that are still really difficult for you as a convert?
2: Yeah I think at the beginning when I was a teenager and I was converting um, I was young and there was a lot of like questions about Different like theological beliefs, like do I believe in infant baptism? Do I believe in um, the all male priesthood? Those are big questions for me. Do I believe in the church's teaching on um, not just birth control for me, but NFP? Like I was like, what's the difference between NFP and birth control? Like if you if you're a listener and you don't know what NFP is, it's natural family planning. Why does the church allow for that and not like condoms or you know, the birth control pill. I was like, that's dumb. Um, but since then I like there are answers to those big questions because a lot of people have those questions and you can find an answer arguing either way. And then you can make that discernment of what you believe. And if you are a Catholic, lots of times, you know, I try to fall in line with my magister- magisterium about that because that's what they're there for. Um, even if I have my own personal questions, it's not like I'm going to say like, Oh, the magisterium is wrong to me now. Um, But I think now the hard part is now that I'm a few years in, I'm past my honeymoon phase and I realize I've entered this church that has a lot of scandal. The Catholic Church has hurt a lot of people and I work with children and youth and I work with vulnerable populations and thinking about how poorly this global church has hurt people. Um, is really hard and like the fact that i willingly chose to join a church that i knew hurt people and i grew up knowing hurt people um is something that is hard to hold as a piece of my identity now so uh that's something that's more difficult for me and like also explaining this to cradle catholics who don't understand like this is the culture that they were raised in i feel like they're hardened by all the scandals that have happened where for me it still feels like a very like open wound um, and it's something, like I said, that I chose. It's not like I was just thrown into it. You know, I was an adult and I, I decided to make this d- adult decision. Uh, and what does that say about me, you know, and my identity? And, and where is Jesus and all of that? Um, so that's like the hard part now is like my identity as a Catholic. And what does that mean? And what will that mean going forward? Because I'm five years in now, almost six um, and I have the rest of my life ahead of me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that would probably be the hardest part. It's just like my identity as someone who is in a, in a messy space. Not to say that the Protestant churches don't have their drama too. It's just that when you have so many different sects, you can kind of be hiding in it, I feel like. Like if you're individual, my church, non-denominational, is its only thing. There's no you know, sister churches all over the world. Um, with that one, it's its own little sect. So if drama happens, it stays local. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's the hard part for me is international scandal.
0: (laughs) I also wonder as a convert, how it is to come into a church where it's like Catholics verse Catholics. So we have, especially on Twitter, oh which gosh. I know both you and I see this happen all the time where the rad trad is what some people call them, but people that are radicals, people that are very traditional that reject Vatican II And think that the Novus Ordo masses, is that
2: real tradition, Jackie, is yeah.
0: it? Yeah, I know. I know. That's what, that's the question. That's what they'll ask. Um, that yeah, I think the Novus Ordo Mass is sinful, and you can only go to Latin Mass. How is that as a convert looking in or just coming in
2: oh, to see? I have two thoughts on this, so I'll try to keep it brief. But one story that I that is really hard in my Catholic identity is I converted to Catholicism my freshman year. I go through all of college just living in like honeymoon phase Catholic land. Everyone that I hang out with at Loyola is like a high church protestant or catholic and everyone's super into the mission of our university jesuit values like people are so into it and then i did ministry with the archdiocese after i graduated and i met people that um really think poorly of the jesuits which which i have two jesuit school degrees now so i do not think poorly of the jesuits um and that was the hardest summer of my life doing that ministry i was fully engrossed in catholicism i was receiving the eucharist every single day i had holy hours every single day i was praying the rosary every single day these are great things i wish that i still had the opportunity and could do all those things um, to spend so much time devoted to the lord and working with children and teaching them about, about the lord but i was miserable it was the hardest time of my life i would cry all the time i felt like i made a huge mistake i knew that the catholic church was true but I did not feel like, I feel like I was given one vision of the Catholic church. And I was dealing with the fact that when you're in a universal global church, there's going to be a lot of division. I thought, Oh, I'm not a Protestant anymore. There's no more division. Like there's no more Methodist versus Baptist versus Pentecostals. Like that was the hard part of being a Protestant. Now that I'm a Catholic, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. And coming to terms with that when I was like 22 and 23 and when I was 23, Um, was when the Pennsylvania Grand Jury was released. So that was just Ah. a really, really, really hard time for me. Um, And then my other thought is just that being a Catholic convert, I constantly have to defend Protestants now. I'm the one who left that church behind, but I constantly have to be like, hello, like Protestants have deep relations with with Jesus Christ and there are different (laughs) types of Protestants and some Protestants have liturgy and some don't and some have sacraments and some don't. And there are different types of beliefs on baptism and all these things and people just lump them in with mm-hmm. all like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like Justin Bieber's church. Like they're like, Oh, that's a Protestant. And I'm like, have you ever met like a Lutheran and Episcopalian? Like, <laughs> it's just so crazy to me. Um, like, especially like being Irish, there's always Catholic versus Protestant stuff. And I'm like, do you guys realize that the Protestants in, in Northern Ireland are like high church, yeah. like Protestants, <laughs> like they don't know, they have no idea. And it's so embarrassing. I'm like, Oh my goodness. And yeah, that's just my thought on that is that I constantly have to be the one defending these people. Um, and especially now, the work that I do is all with Protestants. My my mentor in my job is an Episcopalian theologian. She's amazing. And I know that she loves Jesus. Like I don't know how else to say that to my Catholic friends, but I just I know it. So you don't have to come at me with like questions I, I hate having to be a mom and like defend my past my own mother my family members like they don't realize how offensive it is sometimes mm-hmm. to ask like or say rude things about Protestants I think I'm on the Catholic side now and I'm like mm-hmm. mm, I'm gonna throw hands if you talk about my mom <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I, I appreciate that you're being so real about yeah. it you know because it is um we were laughing about this term earlier, but it is really messy. Like Mm -hmm. not just, you know, in your own heart and in your own personal journey, but even just, yeah, the people surrounding you. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people can be insensitive on both sides. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's just, it's helpful to hear because I'm sure people out there have had similar experiences either way, either people going from Catholicism to Protestant traditions or the other way around. It's, it gets really complicated because you kind of, you're shifting into a new community, into a new culture, and there's just challenges that come with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so earlier you mentioned kind of some of the beliefs as you were first entering that you kind of struggled with or were wrestling with or just had a lot of questions about. Mm-hmm. But now, five, almost six years in, are there beliefs that you looked back on and you're like, oh, that like specific doctrine was like really hard for me mm-hmm. that you either just kind of had to accept Or maybe you're still struggling Mm -hmm. or you were convinced of. Is there any kind of, like, one that jumps to mind?
2: Yeah, there's a few. Like I said, like, something that immediately drew me to Catholicism was theology of the Eucharist. Um, I definitely believed in that early on. That was so easy. So I know what it's like to have these, like, easy beliefs. Um, And then when other ones are sticky, it's so hard. I definitely, I'm still, I don't have an answer about this um, for the podcast purposes, but something that's sticky for me is, um, the all-male priesthood. Mm. Um, I accept the magisterians teaching on it. Um, and I know there's great theological writings on it. Um, but, um, in when the way it plays out can be hard, like, um, just personally with, um, like seminary formation, like why aren't there more women teaching in Catholic seminaries? I can (laughs) accept that. Um, Catholic priests will never be women, but yeah. female mm-hmm. professors, I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like everyone's going to listen to this and be like, <laughs> Riley's crazy. <laughs> but that's, that's something that's hard for me. That's a sticky topic that I don't even, lots of times people try to provide me answers on it. And it's such an emotional thing for me. And I know I'm getting my emotional brain out and not my rational brain. And I just avoid it. I'm avoidant about the topic. Other ones like, um, like the NFP and birth control, like, you know, what's the difference between the two of them? Um, that one I've definitely come to like fully accept the Catholic Church's teaching on. Um, but it took a while. I was like, what is the difference? And I had to do a lot of digging. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing to take your time and really discern. Like, use your intellectual brain and use what the Spirit is doing in your life. And you know, put these things together and figure it out and give yourself time. You don't have to figure it out the first year. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily for me, I like was not married, obviously, my first year of being Catholic. And so I didn't have to worry about these things. They weren't practical things that were really affecting my life. Um, And I just like the grace of that time was so beneficial to me. Like, I think God knew that I needed digging time, you know, to do my own little excursions. I can't just get someone replying to me on Twitter and being like, well, it's this. Like, that's, that's so great. Um, thank you. Uh, I'm going to Google it also (laughs) for myself and, you know, pray for me when I do that, um, that I can come to good conclusions. That's what I have to say to people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's really important to know. And also not just for converts, but all of us are still, you know, I think it's important like, I love the terminology of it's our walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, a walk doesn't mean you're already at your destination. And so, yeah. having doubts along the way and engaging with those doubts and working mm-hmm. through them, like, the Lord wants us to do that. He wants yeah. us to know Him, He wants us to draw close to Him. And so, even for someone who isn't converting but is a Christian, they still have those doubts. They still have those seasons in their life where there's kind of like one sticking point where they're like, wow, I'm really like, this is really an obstacle for me. Yeah. And I think there is a danger in shoving those things under the rug and burying them down and not dealing with them. Whereas bringing them out into the open and saying, okay, you know what? I'm struggling with this. Let's work through it. Mm-hmm. And it can even take a while. And just having patience, knowing that the Lord has grace for us, that that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't love Jesus, yeah. is good to know. Because I think a lot of people doubts really, really intimidate them and scare them. And they think that, oh, does this mean I'm like not saved or you know, that I'm not actually a Christian? And that's not true. I think we see in scripture, like people in the Bible constantly had doubts and were constantly working through things and really struggling. And that's that's good and healthy. And mm-hmm. that's how we learn more about God and yeah. actually get closer to him.
2: Yeah, that was a big misconception I had at the beginning of my conversion process was like, mm-hmm. I felt like, I had more time in my, in my walk in, in Protestant land. <laughs> um, but then I was like, oh, now I'm Catholic. I can just, the catechism is online. I can Google the answer anytime. And like, I wouldn't give myself that time to sit with what I was reading. Like, I was like, oh, well, if a church father says this, then the church father says this. And that's what you have to believe. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I have this great tool of the internet. I can Google it. It's fine. And i will just find an answer. And like not honoring the fact that I might have some emotions about truth. Yeah. Um, truth is truth, but you can still have feelings about it and you can honor those feelings and that can, you know, help you in your walk for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's okay to wrestle with God, which I think is a big misconception just as Christians in general. We have that we can't be angry at God or wrestle with God or be confused, but like Megan pointed to, we see people in the Bible wrestling with God all the time and not understanding his mm-hmm. commands or teachings. So that's totally okay, no matter where you are in your journey um, as a Christian. So Riley, we talked a lot about the difficult parts of converting, the messy parts of the Catholic Church, which there are a lot of them, As even as a cradle Catholic, <laughs> um, it can be rough. But what has been your favorite part of converting to catholicism and being
2: a member of the catholic church yeah i think megan said this earlier she said something about like i was i was joining a different culture even Mm -hmm. and like oh i love like the culture of the catholic church if that makes sense like i love the imagery that we use i love just the universality of it like i have been to mass in multiple different countries and i'm like i know what's going on um, I can go to Latin mass. I can go to mass in different languages. And I'm like, I it's the same mass, same Jesus. Like, this is so cool. Um, and meeting Catholics wherever you go and having them know things that you also know is so fun. Um, but I just love like the imagery. I love everything that we have. Like when you walk into a Catholic church, like, and just like a lot of different, you know, older churches, you'll find like such beautiful things Um, and that's like something that's super just easy for me to accept is like beauty points towards God. And that's something I've always known, but like knowing it in a way, like now when I go to art museums, like you walk down the hallways of like the Spanish art section and it's like all these beautiful images of Mary. And before I was like, oh yeah, it's nice art. Like that's why it's in the museum. But like, Mm -hmm. it's also like it points towards like Christ's humanity in the, in these, um, images. And it points towards like Christ as an infant and, um, his relationship with his mother, which like, I think all Christians can appreciate that. Um, you don't have to be Catholic and have a devotion to the Virgin Mary, um, to see like beauty in these images. Um, but just knowing that it came out of like a rich history of people who have gone before me, um, is so amazing. And sitting in mass and thinking like, my favorite saints, the saints that I have great devotions to, have done the same thing as me. Like, uh, it makes me emotional, like, every time. When I go to Latin Mass, I always think, like, if I ever get lost to myself, I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) Um, It's like, oh, my gosh, like, this is the Mass that Dorothy Day went to when she was thinking about becoming Catholic, too. And she would kneel here the same way as I am. And she, you know, allowed God to work in her life Mm -hmm. at the same thing that I'm doing right now, even though it's a different time um that is so amazing and i just love that i love feeling connected to people in the past and like seeing the same images that they love and loving them the same way it's fun
1: yeah i love that i know you know as a protestant that is something i've really come to appreciate about catholicism and also um i was in greece for a while in 2017 and even greek orthodoxy just the the very tangible beauty And the symbolism really is um, just awe-inspiring to me. I really Mm -hmm. think um, that that is something that those Christian traditions do really well, is taking heavenly realities Mm -hmm. and instead of just keeping them very heady, making them very tangible and physical and something that you can experience. Mm -hmm. um, That is something that I think is just really wonderful about Catholicism and Greek Orthodoxy and some of these other high churches.
2: Yeah, especially I'm an occupational therapy student. So I'm constantly thinking about disability and what Mm -hmm. disability means um, in our relationship with Christ. And like, knowing that, like my kids that I work with who don't use language to communicate can see an image and like, that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why we have these images because people were not literate. Um, And so knowing it they can see like i had a little girl once um point to my necklace i had a a necklace of the sacred heart of jesus on um and she like pointed to it and she went (laughs) it's kind of funny she went is that your mommy like and i was like no and then i I had another necklace on that was the virgin mary i'm like this is my mommy And then she was like oh that's your mommy and then like then she pointed to the other one and she's like well who's this and i was like that's my friend that's jesus she's like i know jesus and like just that like we bonded over it we talked about it like oh you have you know like these images and she was drawn to them and she wanted to touch touch my necklace and hold it in her hands and um look at me and look at the image it was so sweet um And I just I love that, like even people who like don't have the language for it can look and know of God's grace, you know. So I'm going to ask a kind
1: of spicy question. Is there anything you miss about uh, the Protestant tradition or the Protestant church? Um, and this doesn't even have to be like a negative like bash session, but just, you know, is there even anything that you feel like maybe Catholics could embrace more or that you, uh, you know, appreciated about Protestantism?
2: this could have been my whole episode nothing there's nothing right really, yeah nothing <laughs> not at all. Nothing, nothing at all nothing there's nothing not at all I'm fine everything's fine I don't think about it all the time uh, <laughs> I will say the first thing I thought of is definitely the music like Protestants have these hymns like their like traditional hymns that they hold especially like American churches like We have certain hymns that are just sung in Protestant churches that are just not sung in Catholic churches. And I didn't expect that. I didn't expect praise and worship in the Catholic church. I didn't expect contemporary Christian music in the Catholic church. That's fine. Um, Whatever. I I understand that that's, you know, some people hold different beliefs on using that type of music and liturgy. Um, But I didn't realize that I was going to be missing out on like you never hear like softly and tenderly in the Catholic Church. Mm. You never hear. Um, I mean, sometimes you hear be thou. thy." Vi- what am I saying? Be <laughs> thou. Th- what? What is the word? Be thou my, my vision. My yeah. vision. I can't I can't speak words without singing them. And I did not <laughs> want to sing on this podcast. That was not about to happen. So I was singing it in my head and I'm like, what is it? Um, there's just like these Protestant mainline Protestant hymns that you don't hear. And I'm like, what the heck? Where's my jams? Um And then also, like, I think Catholics are really hesitant. Well, some of them on, like, making things Protestant, you know, like, oh, I don't want to be associated with Protestants, blah, 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 um, which there are some, like, things that I agree with them on. Like, I don't think that we should start taking coffee into mass. No offense to my Protestant pals that have coffee in their <laughs> services. Um But I will say I've seen Catholic churches that have, like, a little like cafe kind of thing outside, like in the parish hall where you can have coffee after the mass and like socializing time, fellowship time, which some Catholic churches do well. But I think Protestant churches almost always do them better. Like I went to a Protestant church once with my friend um, not that long ago. It was a non-dominational church and there was a big football game on in the city that we were in. And so they were like, OK, after the service, we're going to watch the game and we have hot dogs for everyone. And I'm like, a Catholic church would never do this. Like they would never be like, hey, let's hang out here on Sunday. Like they're like, go home, <laughs> like, get out. you know. And um, I miss that. I feel like mainline Protestants in the United States do that so well. In my experience, I don't know. This is not like a clinically studied thing that I know but I just I've missed that experience um I also think that Catholics are hesitant around praise and worship and that kind of makes me sad I'm not a huge praise praise and worship person like I don't need to be up there singing songs and you know feeling the spirit in these songs um it's just I'm not a very musical person but there's nothing wrong with that you don't have to do it in your liturgy obviously but like other times for these devotions like that why not? I don't know. Um, and those are things I miss. I don't know. It's hard. There's a lot of things that like, I think it was just, my life was easier as a Protestant too. Like I didn't, if I wanted to go somewhere else, I felt like I could, you know? And now I'm like, I'm in this like chokehold of the (laughs) church. That sounds terrible, (laughs) but I don't want to leave obviously. But, um, there are definitely things I miss. And I'm like, uh, I miss the freedom of Because when I was Protestant, if I went to my friend's church on a Sunday, I didn't feel like I had to go to mass afterwards. I was like, oh, I already went to a church. Maybe not my church, but a different one. It was fine. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I will say growing up in a very charismatic Catholic tradition where we did do a lot of praise and worship and like praying with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. um, I was really shocked when I came to Chicago and there just was none of that. Mm -hmm. There was no praise and worship. There was no really charismatic prayer we it's definitely fries. Okay. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think that is something that just is sad because it is, it's biblical. It's in the history of the Catholic church of praying with the gifts of the Holy spirit and all of that. But there's such a stigma around it in the current Catholic yeah. church, which is really unfortunate because I think they, a lot of people, current Catholics see it as a Protestant thing yeah. that we can't do. And I'm like, Oh no, it's a, biblical thing that is in the church and is a very catholic thing it's in the catechism that we believe in the Mm -hmm. gifts the supernatural and natural gifts of the holy spirit so that's actually one of my biggest beefs too is a lot of catholics and catholic churches And like i
2: said like i'm a girl that likes a more traditional liturgy like i because i left the protestant you know denomination that i was in i was like i want liturgy i want order i want a liturgical calendar and i want like the latin mass and i want blah 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 And yet, I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, there's nothing wrong with other services. Like, I don't know. I I just, you can have your liturgical preferences, folks, as long as they're in line with the teaching of the church. I don't (laughs) understand why that is a big deal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So with that, I don't know if we could potentially have any listeners that are considering joining the Catholic Church from... Um, a Protestant denomination or just any other kind of faith. But what would be your advice to someone listening that is thinking about converting to Catholicism?
2: Okay. So I thought about this the I hear, what is my advice? I, there's like two ways you can go with this. For me, I was a person that I think I was moved um, by the Holy spirit acting in my life. And I just, like I said, had this experience with the Eucharist and it was very, like, non-intellectual for me. I just, like, became Catholic. Like, I felt drawn to it, and I did it. Um, other Catholics, like, I know you guys are going to have the Gospel Simplicity guy on. Um, he's, he's not Catholic. He's, he's a Protestant. Um, and he's holding right now that he's going to say Protestant. So, like, I totally respect him on that because um, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> but, like, he is, strikes me as a very intellectual person. Lizzie answers. She's another, like, mm-hmm. she converted to Catholicism she strikes me as like very intellectually, you know, that kind of way. Scott Hahn, intellectual Um, me. I'm kind of like, I had fun. Um, So whichever way you tend, if you are more like me and you are more like, I'm driven by the spirit it's fun. (laughs) or if you're more intellectual, I would say do whatever like the opposite is of your intuition just to try it out. If you're an intellectual heady person, like great, that's awesome. But like reading the Church Fathers is not going to save you like. I mean, it, it's part of a a step that can lead you towards salvation, and that's great, obviously. Um, but it, you need to do some prayer work. You need to do the like, legwork. You need to get down and, and think about this and talk to Jesus about it. Um, if you are more like me and you are more kind of like I was talking to Jesus and I was in my dorm room bed thinking like, Jesus, should I become Catholic? (laughs) Um, I would say read, Riley, read books, look at the words. (laughs) That's just me, I'm attacking myself here. Uh Um, But uh, no, like do some intellectual work, try to Google more than just the Catholic church too. Like I wish that I would have read about Greek Orthodoxy. I wish I would have read about... Um, the Episcopalian Church, Anglican tradition, Lutheran traditions, Methodist traditions, more than I did. I think I was just in a place that was like, it's non-denom or it's full Catholic. Like there's no in between. Um, and then when I became Catholic, I had all these questions that I probably could have answered for myself if I would have looked at how other like liturgical Christians or like high church Protestants would answer them. I would have more of a well-formed answer to myself. Um, so dig around, get to know Christians from different Um, backgrounds because there are so many obviously I'm biased and I'm gonna say you should become Catholic um but it's always good and it's always fruitful to read what other people say think about do I agree do I disagree and then go from there you know it's not you have the time that's what I talked about earlier you have time um I mean memento mori and everything but (laughs) um think about different routes sit with jesus about it and meet other christians because they are all on their walk too and they will want you to form a relationship with jesus christ i can tell you that so
1: yeah that's great advice um obviously i'm biased as well so i would want you to stay protestant but i also think that it's important to note that we're not supposed to do this alone you know that we are supposed to do this within community and so even just looking for mentors or spiritual directors or um, even just, you know, peers that can Mm -hmm. help encourage you, help answer questions, help, you know, just provide you with space to be questioning, to be working through things, you know, just a very supportive community. Um, Obviously, if you don't have that near you, there's even communities online, but just like, you know, finding a space where you can work through this with people, I think is also really important because, You know, I think a lot of times the Holy Spirit and Jesus like speak to us through others as Mm -hmm. well. And so, yeah, not even just doing it alone. Yeah.
2: That's the good thing about like your guys' podcast. Like I like that, like you're both so involved and you're both like intellectually formed. It's not just something that you do. It's like something that is part of your identity and you both still like grow in friendship with each other and you have a private friendship obviously off the podcast where you can have these conversations and you know that it's a safe space to talk mm-hmm. to the other about it like you'll find more commonality than you will difference i promise you that like i'm working right now at a divinity school and i think all of my students are protestant and i nod along the entire class because i'm like yes i agree yes i agree yes i agree about everything that they say you know <laughs> like um it's great to like have these relationships with others and getting to know other traditions because I mean going back to what you said about culture there's different cultures in all these churches too and like it's just fun it's fun to experience like a diversity there so
0: Oh, Riley, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your experience. You know, the heart of our podcast is talk about the messy parts of life, the difficult parts of life. And it can be really vulnerable and hard to talk about you know, your conversion story. Because as you said, it is really personal, especially when it involves, you know, stories with your family or just wrestling with God. So I just really thank you for coming on and being really real. And I think it will be really beneficial to anyone that's struggling in their faith right now, that is going through a conversion that has converted. Because I think a lot of converts find themselves in the Catholic church and didn't realize it would be so difficult. They thought everything Mm -hmm. would be perfect and they would fit right in. And that's just not life and that's just not how it works. So yeah, I just thank you for being so real and sharing your story.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on.